You're listening to the Sewing and Growing podcast and radio show with Jay and Jay. Hello, everyone. We are back in the Sewing and Growing podcast. And hey, we are actually recording this again in the morning. And one good way to come across more charismatic over the phone. Or even when you're doing a podcast, maybe you have your own podcast, maybe you're going to do your own podcast. I actually learned this at the office when they were training somebody on the phone. They said, if you're going to talk in the phone, smile, because it helps your tone when you talk. It comes naturally for me. There are some people that it does not come naturally to smile, but I encourage you, you want to start having a better day, let the joy of the Lord hit your face. Okay. Don't keep it in the heart, locked in the box, let it hit your face, start smiling and man, your day will start getting better. But I understand sometimes that can be a challenge. Not only personality wise, when you're a kid, man, it's hard to naturally smile. My parents would always want to take pictures of me and I could not figure out how to smile. They'd be like, smile. But I wasn't a natural smiler at that time. And I would do that really like psychopathic, uh, like all like teeth way, showing, way you know, too like charismatic. well, well, or in pain, it's, it's either you're really charismatic or you're in pain, but all the teeth are showing and your face looks strange. You know what when I'm talking I, about? Yeah. When I was young, I used to put my fingers in my mouth and pull. Yeah. And yeah. then I, I'd like the feeling afterwards. This is kind of weird, man. You, you would have been great about? in a dentist's office yeah. as a yeah. test. I don't dummy. like that anymore. So it's not like, and how awkward is that when they're asking you questions and they have yeah. your mouth open? Yeah. Uh-huh. They ask you uh, some question and your mouth's, you know, they're working in it. And so you're just sitting there waiting. You're like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then you spit. And you're like, yeah, I, I think they went to school with my brother. Like they asked you some <laughs> weird question. <laughs> and then they got the vacuum, but it's not getting all the water. You're like, <laughs> or they're like, because you're, you're supposed to like bite down on a little tube that sucks it out. And yes. then you're like, do I like, they leave it in there. Like, okay, do I clamp down again? So you kind of go like, or what do I do with my tongue? Do I stick yeah. my tongue on it? Cause then, then they pull the it out. And so you have to be like jiving with the dental assistant because they're the person with the tube. Yes. Right. They're the person. So it's like, okay, I I'm catching. I think I know what we're doing. We're vibing. All right. Now I bite down. Okay. Perfect. Um, one thing though, that you were talking about smiling when you're on the phone, you know, if people could watch what you do when you're on the phone, like a lot of times when I'm, having like a long conversation with somebody and I'm at my house, I'm pacing, I'll lay down on the floor. I'll have my feet above my head. I'll stand on the coffee table. I'm not even kidding. I'm just like walking and I'm, I'm just doing weird things. So it's probably good that people don't see what I'm yeah. doing on the other side of the phone. Vulnerable moment. Have you ever, if you're having a frustrating call, have you ever put your cell phone on mute and then said things you wanted to say and then yeah. unmuted it? And that person yes. had no knowledge of what you said. Yes. Is that dishonest? Yeah. Or I've been like, hey, I'm going to just, I'm going to take this conversation into the bathroom with me. And then I mute, I mute, (laughs) go to the bathroom, unmute. I'm like, yep, heard, heard what you said. Great. Um, what were we talking about? Joy. (laughs) Yeah. We're talking about joy, smiling, dental, uh, hygiene assistants, all of that. Okay. But what do you have on your heart for today? Um, well, I would, I can't say not joy. That should always be on your heart. I just wanted to talk more about decisions. Um, cause we make hundreds, if not thousands of them every single day. Um, and I think it's important to, to realize that our decisions have big impact. Oh, he showed me a timer. 
Gotcha. It's, it's counting up. Okay. That was confusing to me. Um, <laughs> we face a lot of choices and sometimes like these small decisions have big impact, like, uh, brushing your teeth, small act, easy, takes about two minutes, roughly. That's right. That's the time you need. That's what they say. Two minute brush or more. I was thinking of another small decision that has nothing to do with toothbrushes. Oh, what is it? Do you know the battle that, uh, I was going to say Louis Armstrong, but that's not who I'm talking about. About, I'm talking about the French short Napoleon. Yes, Napoleon. That, that is two wildly different. Louis things. King Louis the Sixteenth French. Yeah, I was thinking of different things. Don't oh, don't Louis. try to figure out why I was Louis thinking Armstrong. that. Name. But the battle that he lost in was the Battle of Waterloo. Are you familiar with that? I've heard of it. So the small thing that turned that battle around was after they defeated they would take a nail and drive it into the cannon so they could no longer use the cannons it was like a very short process uh napoleon did not do that he didn't drive the nails and then they actually didn't defeat everyone and if they would have just taken the nail and driven it in napoleon would have completely won the battle but it was just because of some nails small little decisions yeah you know that is has way greater impact than choosing to brush your teeth or not but um I think most adults probably don't struggle with this, but this is like a kid issue. I remember watching a show and it was really funny because the sister was taking care of her younger brothers and they come out of the house and she's like, did you brush your teeth? And he goes, I got gum. I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was funny because you're thinking like, well, it's going to take care of my breath and that, and you think like, oh, that's the only reason why I brush my teeth. At least kids sometimes think that. It's like, no, you got to battle the gingivitis and the plaque and anyways. And so, you know, whether to, uh, a lot of adults can deal with this or can relate to this getting out of bed when your alarm clock goes off right that kind of sets the pattern for the rest of the day true um you know if i hit snooze you know the the lie that i fall into a lot of times is like well i got I, i could sleep for another 30 minutes i'll be more refreshed but what happens is you wake up during rem sleep which is the lightest cycle of sleep right and you choose to go back to sleep, you fall out of REM into a deeper sleep, and then you got to be woken up, and you feel way more groggy than you did, even though you got 30 more minutes of sleep. I fall into, I know the trap, and I fall into it still. Thank you I for your like vulnerability. The, that video of the farmer pulling the sheep out of the ditch, <laughs> that and one's he just funny. jumps right back into the ditch. <laughs> All right? So life is full of choices um, and decisions that you need to make, and ultimately, and I said this when I had the opportunity to teach on at church on Sunday, um, was it was this that you know every decision, no matter how big or how small, is either leading you closer to the Lord or farther away from the Lord. You think brushing my teeth? Well, I don't know, maybe in some way, but some of the decisions that you make are, um, you know, they have that effect. Are they are they drawing you closer or are they pushing you farther away? And Billy Graham said this. He said the strongest principle of life and blessing lies in our choice. Our life is the sum result of all choices that we make both consciously and unconsciously. So we're uh, tasked with the choice of making right decisions. Um, some things are pretty obvious, what's right and what's wrong, right? You know, do I run the stoplight or not? Well, that's a decision. Hopefully you don't have to think too hard about. But some decisions, it's hard to know what the right thing is and what the wrong thing is. And the beautiful thing about being a child of God is that he helps you make right choices And really, the answers are not that far off. So I'm going to read a scripture out of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 30. um, 
verse 11. We'll just, we'll go from there. I'm going to read 11 through 14. And then I'm going to skip down to 19. Um, because I like what 19 has to say. Not that 15 through 18 has anything wrong with it. Just for the sake of this one, I'm going to read. I'm going to skip over them. So 11. This command... <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing at myself. This command I am giving you today, it's not too difficult for you to understand and it's not beyond your reach. It is not kept in heaven so distant that you must ask who will go up into heaven and bring it down so we can hear it and obey. It is not kept beyond the sea so far away that you must ask who will cross the sea to bring it to us so we can hear it and obey. No, the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and it is in your heart so that you may obey it. Verse 19, today I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessing and cursing. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land that the Lord swore to give to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So, Sometimes I think we fall into a trap of thinking that or or being ignorant on a choice and saying like, you know what, it's probably it's probably too hard to understand or too far out there. So you you use it as, as an excuse to kind of do what you want anyways. It's like, well, the answer is we're never going to know anyway, so I'm just going to choose what I think or what I feel. And God's saying like, no, if you seek me on this, I'm going to give you the right choice. And another thing I just saw in the verse that you shared was that the decision was in their heart. And if I'm being honest and not self-deceiving myself, the majority of the decisions I make in a day, I already know the correct answer to. Yeah. The alarm clock going off, the correct response is getting up. I don't have to navigate how deep and, uh, is this the will of God for my life? I, there's so many decisions we make subconsciously out of habit, but most decisions, and my parents used to tell me this, you normally already know the thing you should do. Yeah. And sometimes heaven and earth is standing just to see the decision you're going to make, yeah. not necessarily trying to give you the wisdom on what decision <laughs> to make because it's already found in your heart. Yeah. I heard this though, too, that um, when you keep asking for multiple opinions or advice, it's like you, you already know the answer to something and you wish you didn't. So you're trying to get talked out of it. That's a, that's a hard one too. True. Um, so, uh, this scripture is basically saying, Hey, like, uh, you are not having to search to the ends of the earth to know what's right. I'm clearly laying it before you. And if you seek me, yeah, you'll know what to do. You'll know what's right. So God has laid it out before us. He's laid out life and death. That's it. It's not what is right and acceptable. It's not yin and yang. It's right and wrong. It's life and death. So, um, God's will is clearly stated and he will show you it. So you don't have to live in the area of grayness, the gray area. Right. So, and I love how he says in verse 20, he says, this is really the key to your life. So a lot of us are searching for the answers. We're searching to the key, the keys to life. We might go to a Tony Robbins uh, conference to get some help. Not that Tony Robbins can't help you. He's helped millions of people. Great guy. Um, I'm not endorsing him. Where are you going first? <laughs> Where am I going first? Hopefully it's the word of God. Hopefully it's the Lord. Because um, he says, this is the key to your life. All right. This is the key that you love me, you obey me, and you commit yourself to me. 
And if you do those three things, he's going to help you. He's going to bless you. He's going to lead you. He's going to guide you. All those great promises that we talk about and we, and we hear in the word of God, especially the New Testament. Right? This is an Old Testament scripture, but the principles found in this verse apply to everything we see in the New Testament. Loving him, obeying him, and committing yourselves to him. And the word commit means to transfer. And so um, when I think of transferring... Um, uh, I've had to transfer the transfer the title deed of a car before, mm-hmm. right? So it means you're transferring ownership. So it's really no longer my car. As soon as I turn the title deed over to the person I sold it to, I'm not selling my life to the Lord, but if I'm committing to him, I'm transferring ownership, which means he has control. He's the power of attorney, right? He makes the decisions. That's how it should be when we say, hey, Jesus, be my Lord. Lord means master. And we always fall into the trap of saying, like, well, he's my savior. And I love how John Bevere pointed this out. Or no, it was actually our own pastor. Or was it John Bevere? Both. Maybe, maybe it was both. But, you know, Romans 9, and it talks about, um, or no, it's Romans 10. Romans Sorry, 10. Romans 10, where it talks about. Uh, 10, 9. Ten, there, there you go. If I would have said 9, 10, that would have been very confusing. Both. Both. <laughs> it's both. We're talking about right and wrong, but it's actually both. Um, he says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then you will be saved. So they made this point, like which part comes first, the saving part or the Lord part? Well, it's the Lord part. And so many times we want Jesus to be our savior. It's like, save me from hell. I want to be in heaven. But that only comes after you make the conscious decision of making him Lord of your life. So we say, yep, I'm saved, but have we, uh, have we made him Lord? You don't experience what he does saving until you acknowledge who he is, Lord. Yes, exactly. So he's giving us the choice. All right. So you can say this, and it's one of those shock and awe statements. <gasps> but God is pro-choice. What? In this context. Um, Man, they could make a bad sound bite out of yeah, that statement. I don't think we're popular enough for people to take <laughs> clips of us and attack us on the internet. Thank God. But when I'm saying God is pro-choice, God is saying... God is pro giving you the decision and what and how you want to run your life. If you give it to him, then he will help you. But he's he he's laid it before you to make a choice. And he doesn't want robots. That's why that's why uh you know, I used to ask this as a kid with my dad. I'm like, "Why did he have to put the tree in the garden?" Like I'd get mad. I'm like, "You're telling me that we could have lived in the garden of Eden and just like named animals and played with animals and just chilled with God all day long? Like that was the original plan, right?" And I was like, yeah, I'm like, then why did he put the tree there? It used to make me so mad, but mm-hmm. he had to put the tree there. He had to put, uh, uh, how do I explain this? The temptation of wrong needed to be there so they could make a choice, whether they would choose God or their own will. Mm-hmm. And so if he didn't do that, then there, you know, we would just be a bunch of robots. That's a really easy way to explain it. And that's why my dad explained it to me that way. Thank you for your explanation. <laughs> um, so God is pro-choice in that sense. Um, giving you the power to choose between life and death. So I'm going to give you three choices that you got to make um, every single day when you're when you're endeavoring to walk with God. Um, three choices, three things I just want you to think about. Number one, I want you, the listener, and myself, um, I need and we need to choose the spiritual over the carnal. Yeah. So Romans 8, 6 says, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And so... Carnally minded doesn't like lead towards death. It isn't like a slow roll towards death. It actually says it is death. Carnal mindedness is dead thinking. Uh, But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Um, So carnal just means that the flesh, most people know this, 
or natural. So are we just going to think on what the flesh wants or what the spirit wants? Are we going to choose natural things, you know, clothing, food, friends, things that make us feel good in the moment? Or are we going to choose things that edify us spiritually? You know, a spiritual decision in the morning would be to read my Bible. A fleshly decision in the morning, a carnal decision would be to watch YouTube. Have I done both of those things? Maybe in the same setting? Yeah. <laughs> but it's always good to think of that. What am I choosing? Is this a spiritual decision or is this a carnal decision? Number two, the eternal over the temporal. Um, I like to think of it as this, delayed gratification over instant. Um, we're living in a society that more and more is growing towards impatience and convenience. We always choose what is available to us right now instead of waiting. So everything of this world is instant and temporal, but the things of God are obtained through patience and they're eternal. Yeah. So that's always a really good thing to think about. So number one is the spiritual over the carnal. Number two is the eternal over the temporal. And number three, I would say this, every day you need to choose commitment over convenience. So true commitment is, or, or true commitment to something is proven by how out of your way you're willing to go. You say you're committed, but it messes with your schedule, messes with your weekend. Um, you'll prove how committed to you are by how, how willing you are to shift your schedule. I, you know, I think of like when you tell a buddy that you're going to help him move. And they go, I just got a few items. And you get to their house and it's way more than a few items. Which seems to happen every day. Yeah, and they've got two U-Hauls there. And you're like, what? I thought you just needed my truck. No, I need your truck in addition to the, to the two U-Hauls. Oh, okay. So this is going to be all day. Okay, got it. Um, you know, the, your flesh wants to bail. But you committed to them before you saw everything. And that's, a, that's one thing I think even with the Lord. You're committing to His way and then you kind of, start walking out that path and you, and there's more to it or it's di more difficult than you thought. And you're like, man, I kind of want to bail, but you're proving your commitment to him by how, how willing you are to inconvenience your flesh and your own will and your own desire. All right. So God's way is not always convenient. It's going to stretch you. It, it'll confuse you. It'll irritate you at times. But when we choose to commit to him and, and really die to the flesh, we position ourselves for his blessings, um, which we all want to be blessed and so sometimes we just pray a prayer. We say, God, you know, bless me. Thank you, Lord, for your favor. Is that wrong to pray? No, I don't think so. But really, I think we position ourselves even more so for the blessing by doing what he talked about in Deuteronomy, by loving, committing, and obeying his will, his word, um, what he's telling us to do. Yeah. Um, you know, I was just talking with someone yesterday, and they told me that God is going to put you in situ situations where the very last thing you want to do is what he's telling you to do. But it's required of you, and when you do it, it's that's what's going to open up the door to heaven. Um, and I was like, thank you, but that kind of sucks. <laughs> um, just because I know it's going to be inconvenient for my flesh. Um, you know, that happens. There, I was thinking about, I was at, um, I was eating at lunch with a friend, and then a lady walked in, and uh, she had two casts on her legs. And I'm trying to pay attention to my friend. And, and God's like, you need to pray for this lady. And I'm like, that's really inconvenient. Because um, I'm trying to have like a mentoring session with this guy. But all I can think of is the lady with the two casts on her legs. And the whole time, I'm not even paying attention to the guy. And it's like, you ever you know, been so convicted about what you need to do that you almost start like sweating and your heart starts pounding? Of course. Yeah. That's what was going on. And I said, excuse me. 
I got to go talk to this lady. He goes, all right, do you know her? I said, no, I do not know her. So I ended up talking to her. She wasn't a believer. She doesn't believe in healing at all, but she let me pray for her. And afterwards, there was such a release, and it was so nice. Um, you know, the end result is, what's the, what's, the, what's the term? Is the juice worth the squeeze, right? Mm -hmm. Totally. And then I had a dream that that lady came to church, and she goes, I'm looking for the guy with the glasses, and she was holding her two, her two cool. casts. So I'm believing that that's going to happen. But that was super inconvenient, and everybody in the restaurant was watching. Um, but you take a step of obedience. And when I took that, when I took that step of obedience, God gave me the words to say, I was calm. It was the spirit. It's grace, right? Pastor Mark says this grace meets you at the point of action. So as soon as you step out in obedience, it's not like God's hanging you out to dry. So that was awesome. It was very inconvenient for my flesh, but I believe it's going to have an eternal impact. That lady's going to get saved. I'm believing that she's already healed and that she's going to come into church. I even saw the seat that she was sitting in. She's going to be holding those, holding those two casts. So I've talked a lot. Do you, you want to add anything? This is probably a shorter one. Pretty. Where are I, we at? Oh, let me look at that timer. I'd set it exited out. I'll give you the time. One second. We're at 17 minutes. Actually, we're at a little bit more. Yeah, I waited till after at 21. We're at 21. Okay. Yeah. We're at 21. I agree with you. And I think there's a flow. I remember reminds me of this and a point should do this. I don't think any time we're trying to make spiritual points from the Holy spirit, all roads should connect. I remember one time my mom went to Glenwood. We lived up past Carbondale up on the mountain and we went to Glenwood we had dinner and my mom said, I'm going to take a different road home. So we took this different road home to get up on the mountain and we were lost <laughs> and we were driving it. I was in the back seat. My mom just kept saying, Hey, all roads are connected up here. I just know it. all roads are connected. <laughs> we eventually did get a home up on Missouri Heights, up on Missouri Heights. We're like, we were just driving. I've around. gotten lost up there a few times. Yeah, right. But my mom's like, I know all roads are connected. And spiritually speaking, all roads, I really do believe are connected when you're in God's will and you're following God, you're not going to go real deep in one subject and like, I'm going to miss out on this. If you're really seeking the Holy Spirit, it's going to develop the whole part of your life. Yeah. So your first point on being spiritual versus carnal, one thing that really helps me when I think of carnality is sure, it sometimes like, Ugh, carnality, but pertaining to the five senses, am I engaging my natural senses or my spiritual senses from the get-go? Getting up, am I acknowledging the natural man or the spirit man? Pastor Mark loves talking about it's the strong spirit of a man that sustains somebody. It's the hidden person of the heart. And it, as another guest on this podcast, Jim Hockaday talked about the tangibility being in connection with God. If we choose spiritual, the Holy Spirit's going to lift us to a higher place and we're going to be caught up in eternal realities instead of just temporal realities because man, the five senses, they're very temporal. Mm -hmm. What you see, depending if you look at one wall and you turn to a different wall, it's something different. You can feel, I'm filling this couch. Oh wow. That's the texture. And now I've got the wood frame of the couch, different texture. It's changing constantly. Yeah. And if you're focusing on eternal spiritual realities, it's going to be a level of commitment because God is not a man that he should repent. He's not the son of man. Uh, you know how to say that verse. I'm paraphrasing that he should lie. 
Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the thing is, start at the get-go. Don't engage your five person physical senses. Engage the spirit man in those senses. Get caught up in heavenly places where your life is hidden with Christ in God. And I believe you'll live a greater life of commitment. Well said. Thanks. Is that going to be your wisdom of the day? I'm, I'm willi- I was thinking that <laughs> probably should just be the wisdom of I the day. It, I think it it's not be. a cute statement wrapped up in a bow, but that's my wisdom of the day. Um, beautifully said. Um, what I would say for my wisdom of the day is um, just what we read in Deuteronomy about the keys to life. And I don't know, you even said this. Um, on Sunday when you're talking about people trying to figure out the will of God and there's so many things that are so clearly stated we're trying to figure yeah. out the unique and specific will but that won't and I think we even talked about this in the last podcast we did. Um, uh, God was not really going to or it's harder to just I should say that it's harder to figure out the unique will when you're not living in the overall will I just got this revelation you get so caught up on the unique will. But the last part of First Thessalonians 5.18 is, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So it's it like Paul unique. saying, this is specific to you. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah. So verses like that and then verses like we read here in Deuteronomy, and like I said, the key to life. Okay. Well, you could probably avoid spending a lot of money on conferences and different products and whatever it's like am i loving the lord am i obeying his commands am i and am i animal <laughs> and am i an animal <laughs> no <laughs> and am i committed to him and then i think of the other scripture which is second chronicles 16 9 which is about the lord wanting to strengthen the hearts of those he's actually searching over the entire earth to find hearts that are committed to him He's going to strengthen those hearts. And again, I think, as I mentioned, all roads are connected. The point we're bringing about right now is very similar to the point you brought out earlier, that when we ask other people for their opinions on a subject, it's normally because we want something that we already have. So we have God's revealed will to rejoice, always pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks, Mm -hmm. uh, to be filled uh, filled with the spirit of God. There's different things that says, this is the will of God for you. And it's like, we're trying to ask God, Hey, you got something else because I don't really feel like yeah. rejoicing. On <laughs> I'm not in constant communion with you and I'm not praying without ceasing. That's probably why I need to ask you for another thought on what I should be doing. Because if I was in constant communion, right. it'd probably be coming across clearly. I'm not really content. That's why I want something else. I'm not thankful. Right. So we're asking all these things. It's Another picture that I see is a kid who's eating dinner and he's got a full plate of food. And he's like, can I have some more? Have some it's more? like, excuse me, eat what's on yeah, your plate. Exactly. Here's the will of God for you. Finish what's on it or start. And yeah. I'm going to see you're eating it real quick and I'm going <laughs> to fill that plate before you're even yeah. finished with it. And that entire session that you're in right there, trying to ask him for all those things. I need, I need specific will. I need this. Can, is there more? That whole session is like a drive through session. Like you're not even... Well, I can't say that you're not, but in my life, when I'm in that position, um, like you said, I'm not in full, in, in constant communion, but it's like drive-through communion. It's like, let me stop in real quick, Lord, and I only got a few seconds, but can you give me my unique, specific will and the next 10 steps of my life? Thank you, and then you leave, and 
you're expecting i mean you get you're getting frustrated but you're you're getting frustrated at the wrong person <laughs> you should be frustrated with yourself be in constant communion actually take time make these three decisions every day and i think that the unique and specific will um will be revealed um a lot easier um if you just make those adjustments in your life i think that's all i got praise god <laughs> Um, Who's praying? You praying or I'm praying? Both. No. Praise God. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Who prayed last podcast? I think I prayed last podcast. All right, I'll pray. Father God, we thank you for your guidance. We thank you that you are the answer, that we don't need to search far off into the heavens or the ends of the earth to figure out what's right and what's wrong. I thank you that you've laid it out before us. You've made it clear and... um, you're going to help us make those decisions, Father God. I pray that we as the listeners every day would make decisions that are eternally minded, Father God, that are spiritual and that prove our commitment to you, Lord. And as we do that, you will reveal those things that we desperately want to know, um, but we sometimes put the cart ahead of the horse. So we put first things first. We prioritize the right things. And again, I'm just thinking of um, Matthew 6.33, that if we seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness and all these other things will be added. Um, those other things even being, like we said, the specific and unique will for our life. I just pray that you help us keep the right priorities and make the right choices. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. And I encourage you, if you live in the Roaring Fork, Colorado River Valley in Colorado, make it out on Sunday and join us for church. You heard us talk about Pastor Mark, John Bevere, these amazing ministers from New Creation Church. And we wouldn't really be able to do this podcast without the church that we are a part of. And you can be a part of it and it's essential and you're going to be blessed. So see you Sunday. And we'll be back next time on the Sewing and Growing Podcast with J&J.